I'm Josh Lagarde, and today on the On Growth podcast, we are talking to Valentina uh, from the company Longham about their new product, Woof and Meow. Uh, Valentina and company have uh, run a successful campaign within Kickoff Labs, and we want to talk to her a bit about that success, how they drew an audience to the campaign, how they promoted it how they kept people engaged and what their plans are going forward uh, with the audience that they've built. Um, Tina, thank you. Valentina, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Josh, for having me. Um, can I ask you, uh, people are always curious uh, about backgrounds of people. So are you somebody that came from the tech world? Um, I know you're the, you're the marketing director at Longham, um, but can you give us a bit of information like, you know, where have you worked before? What have you done? What's your background? What do you usually focus on? Okay, so um, I actually come from a design background and I previously studied at FIT. Um, so with my design background, I apply it to marketing, such as um, using the colors and position of design elements and the overall design of marketing graphics. Um, so throughout my college, I was actually, you know, doing internship for a company. Um, it was actually a precious metals company and where I interned for a marketing position. And then, you know, I grew to love um, the whole marketing world and the SEO and the whole background uh, of marketing. So I decided to work for Longcam. And Longcam is a marketing agency. Um, so, you know, throughout the years, I learned a lot of different type of uh, digital marketing, you know, the usage and how we keep up with the, uh, the fast pace of the social media world. So tell me, um, tell me about that transition. What did you really love about getting to the marketing space uh, with Longcam? I really love um, connecting with people online and uh, see how they feel about our brand and our product. Um, I love getting insights from people. Just is is very different from design. I actually study textile design, um, and that's you know two different things. But from my experience, I feel like I'm more interested in marketing after, you know, interning at different companies and eventually working at Longcam. Cool. So you can, can you tell me about uh, Longcam uh, leading up to uh, this particular product with Meow? Like how did they discover it? What are they, um, what's their role with this product? Yes. So um, Longcam is actually a marketing agency and we have developed a lot of, um, like we have created different campaigns on Kickstarter and Indiegogo, so it was very successful. And we developed um, the Woof and Meow product, and it was founded by our team who are always looking for in innovative ways to make pet care easier for everyone. So um, when COVID first started last year, our founder, Wayne, actually rescued an abandoned cat. Uh, he named the cat Sesame. And Sesame was, you know, unfortunately in an extremely bad condition at the time. So when um, Wayne brought the cat home, he, he had a fully automatic cat litter box for Sesame. But uh, Sesame was actually scared um, of the noise coming from the auto uh, automatic cat litter box and refused to use it. So at the time, Wayne didn't have the time or effort to scoop and clean the litter box. So he decided to invent a litter box for Sesame with the help of the team. So that's how the initial you know, product idea came from. 
So what makes this different? Um, what, what makes Woof and Meow different than your standard sort of automated litter box? I see on the website, you've got a comparison that kind of goes in the details. But to you, what really makes it stand out as different from sort of I've, I've been to the pet store. I've seen these like circular automated litter boxes before. Um, and what makes this one different? So that's a really good question. Um, I've, the main difference for um, this litter box, some an automatic litter box, is that it's designed for the modern lifestyle. And also, um, being semi-automatic, it means that you have to manually rotate the the you know the box. Like with, in this case, it will be the globe of our product to clean the waste, and there's no scooping involved. Also, it's very quiet, which is one of the main reasons why it was designed as a semi-automatic, so it doesn't disturb the cats and also solve the problem for sesame. Um, and also, it's easy to take apart, so you can, um, you know, clean it, maintain it. So it's not, you know, messy for for like a, a traditional uh, cat litter box. Mm -hmm. So let's get to the specific campaign. So you guys come up with this idea. Um, you um, find, uh, how do you go? So, sorry, I'll take a step back. How do you go about like sourcing the development of the product? So you guys invent it, but how did you go about finding someone to build the product? So Wayne actually has a friend, um, you know, in production and it took about six months of designing and testing and just the whole overall preparation for, for the Wolf and Meow. Um, we were trying to make the product affordable for other cat parents um, and also for family with multiple cats. So we actually have people on our team who is responsible for different um, areas such as, you know, design, the marketing. So we actually have a whole solid team already before um, we made the product. Cool. And so you guys, uh, you guys said that you've done several Indiegogo and Kickstarter campaigns uh, before. I assume that was for other clients since you guys are primarily a marketing agency. Yes, that's correct. And without you know talking about those uh, campaigns in specific, what are some of the things uh, that you believe made those campaigns successful for your other clients? Like what are some of the keys um, that have to be done before you run uh, or you launch on Indiegogo or uh, Kickstarter? Um, so what all of the campaigns have in common is using the Kickoff Lab page. We use this platform to kind of like test the market to see how people feel about our product. And um, we actually have, you know, different strategies on how to test the market. So, for example, we have a survey. So for the survey, um, we actually ask questions to see you know, what our audience is like, how they feel about the product and, you know, how they feel about the price range. Uh, so typically before um, we used to put the link on the email and then, you know, the audience will get the emails and they will complete the survey. But recently we actually uh, tried a new strategy. We put the survey link on the thank you page. So when people sign up for our newsletter, um, the thank you page will pop up and they and then they can access the link right there instead of you know having to do two steps so that kind of like minimized to one step okay <clears throat> so then specifically you guys have run uh, these campaigns and you're saying one of the keys is just, is setting up 
um, a page like on Kickoff Labs where you have a page where people can join your newsletter to get information. Are you offering them any incentives to join um, and get uh, and get started on uh, on the campaign, or is it just, hey, here's an interesting product, enter your email? Um, so yes, we do offer free gifts. So we also direct them to join our Facebook group where we have like a community. Um, so that typically would be on the thank you page as well. So everything we did was through email before. It was like email newsletters weekly to their um, inboxes and they will have to, you know, check. But then we realized that we didn't have the highest traffic or conversion rate because nowadays, you know, especially for young people, they don't check their emails often. So what we decided to do was, you know, right away when you sign up for this um, product um, through the newsletter, like the sign up button, mm -hmm. uh, we would put we we are taking advantage of the thank you page and we're putting you know the link for the uh, Facebook uh, group and then the link for the survey so you know right there people can have access to both of um of both of the materials and then they um so that way we have generated more traffic yeah, and just to give people some context, because uh, you can't see, and this is a podcast, uh, looking at your sign-up page, uh, the initial um, newsletter sign-up page, um, you're basically describing the product. You've got a lot of product descriptors and headlines, uh, but your main call to action is is saying, uh, you know, woofing me out, just rotate uh, to clump, making litter disposal easy for your pets. Um, and it was saying basically sign up now to, to get a special launch day offer. So people don't necessarily know what what the offer is going to be, but you know that um, but you know that you're going to get something if you join if you join in advance. And then once they sign up to recap what you said, I'm seeing it, you have you've got a couple of different calls to action. So you have an action for people to join the VIP group, uh, which is the Facebook group you're talking about. And you've got a call to action for the survey on your pages. Oh, uh, no, no problem. So you're talking about the group and the Facebook group. And I can see, you know, sort of a, a key to success. If you've got over 10,000 leads collected in general, you've almost got a third of them in this private Facebook group, um, the Woof and Meow Global Launch Group. Um, and so um, I, didn't, uh, I didn't get into the group ahead of time, but can you tell me um, uh, how you guys are using uh, using the group or groups like this for other products? Okay, so we're using the Facebook group um, mainly to kind of promote our product. So even though they already know about our product um, because they read the kickoff page, we would you know, occasionally remind them what our product is like. So we would post a graphic um, and then one of the features of our product. And then we will also host um, giveaway events on on our Facebook group. So that's kind of like a free gift thing I was mentioning before. So uh, the gift that we will be giving out is related to the product. So it's something that they can use. It's not, you know, just a random gift that we're giving out. And the gift is limited. So they would need to, so for example, they would need to uh, share and comment on our um, Facebook group post to get a higher engagement. And then, you know, they'll have the chance to win, you know, and blah, blah, blah gift, you know, like an XX kind of gift. And then um, from there, we will pick, you know, random winners mm -hmm. with the most likes or, you know, with the most creative comment. And then they will get the gift with their product. 
So if I were to if I were to recap that, you said a couple things that I think are fairly common. What I've heard with other interviews is one, the importance of keeping the product top of mind, that although you've collected the lead, you have to do whatever you can to keep a group of people where it's at the top of their mind. And previously, people might have sent out newsletters for this, and you guys are probably still sending out newsletters, but you're also using this Facebook group to keep content out there that keeps the product in uh, on top of people's minds so that when you do launch, people remember who you are. Then I heard you say you guys are running, keeping them engaged um, with uh, promotions. So you're not just blasting information out of them, you're creating these interactive moments and these engagement uh, opportunities with your customers in the Facebook group uh, with the contests. And related to that, the important part is that the prizes in these contests are generally related to the products that you're promoting. So the prizes are coming out as you know something that you would use if you bought the product so if you're winning the pro if you're pr participating in the contest you're not just after like a free ipad you're after like something related to the woof and meow litter litter box correct yes that's correct cool um so can you uh you know what what would have been so you said there's like ten thousand leads and you've got three thousand uh three thousand uh people roughly you know almost 3,000 almost 3, people in the Facebook group. On the Indiegogo site that's live now, I can see you've got um, over 300 backers. Uh, the goal was set at, um, it says flexible goal. I don't know exactly what that means at Indiegogo, but it was set at nearly $5,000. So tell me a bit about when you're running a Kickstarter and an Indiegogo uh, campaign, how you set the goal um, because it feels like people like to set the goals much lower than they're able to achieve, or do you set a goal that you think is really just what you need out of the campaign? Um, so it really depends on uh, different brands and clients. So for our campaign, one of the strategy is to set the goal kind of lower than what you want is one, um, because once you're 100% funded um, on Indiegogo, your campaign will actually bump up to, you know, it, it will rank higher on the page so people will be able to see your campaign. Cool. And does collecting this audience in advance generally mean that within a short amount of time you're able to exceed these goals? So you're trying to, like, if I were to summarize what I've heard other people tell me about Kickstarter and Indiegogo, you're trying to, you see the audience in advance and then uh, you're unleashing that audience onto this Indiegogo campaign in, in an effort to try and make it, uh, get it more trending, to make it show up, up for a day or two on like a top list so that you attract a much larger audience. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And also, um, we actually mainly use Facebook group to promote our other special offers and kind of give them like a tease um, for behind, like like for behind the scenes and us and as well as like offers for group members only. So we do offer a secret perk where people can purchase uh, this product at a much lower price um, when before we officially launch on Indiegogo. That's, uh, that, that's a great idea. Um, can you tell me, uh, you know, we talked about collecting 10,000 leads. I wanna back up a step. Um, that means you must have driven uh, quite a num quite a bit of traffic to the page to begin with. Um, can you tell me how you guys went about driving traffic to the page? Because those ten thousand people didn't just like start searching the internet and find your page for Woof and Meow, and then all of a sudden sign up. Because as we know, if you just put a page on the internet, 
Um, it's like the tree in the woods that nobody hears fall. <laughs> um, so how did you get that, uh, that audience uh, of people to the pages to begin with? What strategies do you use there? Um, so we use Facebook ads. Um, we ran ads on Facebook to, uh, to drive people to our, um, kickoff page. So, you know, once, since we're not launched yet on Indiegogo, obviously the call to action would be our kickoff page and also our Facebook group. So, you know, once they, like I said, once they sign up on our kickoff page, we generally, you know, give them the direct link to our Facebook group where they can sign up and then be a part of the group. And we found that, uh, Facebook group, like having the Facebook group link on the kickoff, on the kickoff thank you page is more effective than email marketing. So, which means that we kind of doubled the amount of hundred percent on the kick on the kickoff thank you page and drove more traffic since it's direct traffic. Um, so on the Facebook group, you can reach customers, um, and then they can also reach you too. But then on emails, you know, you can only reach the customers and they can't really reach you back. Mm -hmm. um, that makes sense. So we find that Facebook group really, really helped us gain so much traffic um, and also kind of kickstart our campaign. And then since you've been running these campaigns, this is the next question I get. How many of those people, I know it's early to tell with Woof and Meow, but you've run these campaigns for other companies as well. Can you give uh, folks a sense of what a good number is in terms of conversions um, to uh, to purchases or to pre pre launch purchases, are you looking at like one percent of your audience, two percent? You know, what percentage do you think is a good number that people should shoot for uh, when they're looking at conversions from the larger email audience to the to the paid uh, paid person? So a good percentage that we're looking for um, when converting, you're saying that when converting from emails to the actual Indiegogo campaign page. Yeah, you, you could work it down. So either way, just, you know, either from the Facebook group, if I have 3000 people in my Facebook group leading up to a launch, um, how many people do you expect to ultimately convert to a purchase or, uh, and so let's, let's start there. Um, so just for the Wolf and Mal campaign, because like I said, every campaign is different. Um, we see roughly about mm, 5% of the audience converting. But then for other for other um, campaigns, we do see you know roughly like like fifty percent, like half of the Facebook group members because they joined for a reason, and mm -hmm. they were you know very um, hyped about this product. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like I can't really give you an exact number because every campaign is different. Yeah, but I mean I, I get that every campaign's number, but it's good for people to have a marker. So you know you yeah. could you could say like depending upon the product, like 5% might be a good answer. Some products, maybe it's 20%. Does price of the product play into that where maybe a lower price product has a higher conversion rate and a higher price product has a lower one? Um, price doesn't really play a huge part for conversion. It's usually the product plus the price um, is what really converts. So if you're having a great product at a really good price, you know, obviously you're expecting to get a good conversion. Mm -hmm. um, if somebody else is out there and, and they've got um, they've got an idea that they want to run a Kickstarter for, um, how do you where where, do, where where how do you suggest they start? 
like what's the first thing somebody should do if they've got you know a physical product idea uh you know maybe not exactly this but similar to this where it's going to involve um some production um what should they what should they do first um so they should do competitor research first to see what's on the market and you know who they're competing with um before you know jumping in to to start a campaign and also after that they should do like a survey, you know, if, if you, even if you don't have an audience yet, ask your friends and family, you know, what this product interested you, you know, and um, how much would you pay for this product and stuff like that. Do you worry about uh, if people go about that route, people being too nice and saying, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great product. I'll definitely buy it from from you. Uh, yes. Sometimes, you know, friends and family, they they tend to be on the nicer side. Um, but uh when when testing a product we you can actually uh reach out to other people on social media you know um to start a community like facebook or um like if so i i, I get you're saying like you know reaching out to other people like i think the, the important thing you said is the competitor research and then um starting like with maybe setting up a page to see if you can drive some traffic to it or a group to see if you can get people interested in the group um, is what you're trying to say, right? Yes. Um, I'm curious about um, I'm curious about the Facebook, like modern state of Facebook. So you're still seeing a lot of success with the group, obviously. Um, if I were going to launch a product today, would you suggest I create a Facebook page first, or just go straight and create it like a private group for the product and start that way? Because it's hard to tell which way Facebook would like you to go, but I'm, I'm curious like which way you would go if you were going to launch a product from scratch today. Um, so I would suggest starting a Facebook page first and then make that a business page and also utilize other social media platforms such as Instagram. Instagram is a great way to, you know, uh, get a high engagement from other audience and you can follow um, your competitors uh, followers too and see you know kind of like tell them hey we have this product and then you know it, they'll follow you and then you'll mm -hmm. have some sort of you know an audience going on so i talked to somebody yesterday who told me the same thing that um, one of their strategies was going to their competitors pages look who engages with the competitor pages on on instagram or facebook and then just start following some of the people who are engaging in those pages um and you say and he said something similar about you know then you kind of that's an opportunity to tell them about your product and and what you guys do and what's different that seems like an awkward conversation to me if i'm somebody who's who's shy to, to talk to people like how do you start that conversation do you say like Hey, I saw you followed the, you know, auto scoop, um, the auto scoop litter box. Did you know about the wolf and meow one? I mean, is that literally how you start the conversation? Like, how do you go about talking to somebody in that context? We actually don't talk to their followers. We just follow them. And then sometimes, you know, like they'll get an application and they'll see, okay, this, this brand just followed me and they'll check out our page. We will only... We, we don't directly reach out to those followers. We reach out to, um, to, to the competitors by leaving, you know, nice comments under their posts and liking their posts and be more active on their social media. So people know that we exist. Okay. So tell me about that. So the part where you're engaging in the competitor social media space. 
So you'll go to a competitor's um, social media page or related um, social group um, about a certain product or topic. And then what are you saying specifically, like, what are your posts like? Can you give me an example of some of the posts you guys have made um, in in areas like that? So um, we would try to be supportive um, for the other competitors too. And then we would um, leave comments like, you know, this is great. Um, you know, um, check out our page and, and then, um, that'll be, I mean, it's not too spammy because you're not directly telling them to, you know, buy our product, but more to like, check us out to see if you're interested in our products too. And then, you know, in the comment section, a lot of people, like we usually pick the ones with the highest engagement so other people can see your comments too. So what what kind of comments are you replying to? Are you replying to people who come in and say maybe they're they're um, they have a problem with the competitor or people who are going and asking a question about the competitor? Um, like what kind of posts are you looking for to hit reply to besides just the highly engaged posts? Um, we're we're looking to people. Um, we're looking for people who who's re- who's like posting about the competitors like um, price point or like issues that they have and then we kind of offer like you know we tell them hey check out wolf and mao you know this is a affordable um semi-automatic glitter box you know or if they have a problem with the noise um they're we're going to be like uh this is you know low operation low noise operation so j- just kind of like pinpointing their problems, and then we're gonna fu- we're gonna give them a solution. So I think that's a great strategy. Um, we did something similar when we launched Kickoff Labs. We were looking at the time it was more on Twitter, and we were looking for people who are following competitors or talking about competitors. And then we were just replying to them, saying like, "Hey, like we're we're coming out with this new product. Like, let us know what you think." Um, and that was a great way to get some of our initial customers and traffic. And so it's good to see like that typical like communication strategy is is still working. Um, how many posts like that would you say you guys are making like in a in a specific week? Because I've heard some people tell me they aim for like, you know, everybody on the team spending, you know, five hours a week doing this, like one hour a day, basically just making these kind of posts, you know, all the way to like, oh, I just did one or two posts like that. Um, so initially we did about roughly 10 posts per day and that's between five people, but we don't just target Instagram. We also target, um, Facebook, Reddit, Mm -hmm. Twitter, you know, all of the social media. So, you know, we have nothing to lose. So we're trying to, you know, max them out our chances. And and to get really specific, are you guys using um, the uh, the brand your brand's profile to make these comments, or are you using like individual personas to make these comments? It's a combination of both. We mostly use um, individual profiles rather than our own brand because we wanted to sound more organic rather than promotional. Okay. Um, but you obviously you guys are transparent. Like you would say, you know, in your in your public profile, if you were answering, it says like that you're you know, the VP of marketing at this company or marketing director at this company. Yes. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, what else uh, What else haven't we talked about that you think is important for people to know if they're running campaigns like this? Sorry, can we repeat that question again? Yeah, no problem. Um, is there anything we haven't covered 
that's important for people to know that you you would want to impart, you know, something like, oh, I thought we'd talk about this. And um, I think people should really focus on this other strategy as well. So is there some strategy or tactic that we haven't covered that you think is really important uh, for people to keep in mind? Um, I would say, you know, good content images is really important too. So hire, you know, photographer to take photos of your product, um, you know, also offer some lifestyle images too. So, you know, people know what your product look like in real life or in a home setting or whatever. And um, also reaching out to other micro influencers to review the product before um, the official launch, because you want you want that ready before you know your campaign goes live. Those are both excellent points. So, first of all, having great imagery, lifestyle images, especially, I think that really helps make people feel like the product is real. I mean, not that it's not real, but I think people are wary, especially with Indiegogo and Kickstarter campaigns, that something's never going to ship. So, the more proof that you have that like this thing is real, here's it being used in a real setting, is really beneficial for uh, for everybody in terms of giving consumers confidence and. The next thing you said is also a great thing that I've heard from other uh, companies as well about reaching out to the micro influencers. How did you guys go about finding the influencers to reach out to? So we perform our own research. Um, so on YouTube or Instagram, we would look up keywords through hashtag. Um, so for example, with a mail, we will look up, you know, litter box or a cat and, you know, find influencers that own actually own a cat. So, you know, they'll be interested to review the product and use the product. And do you send them like a, a free version of the product to say, hey, you know, if you like it, you know, let us know what you think. Or you say like, hey, here's a litter box and a thousand dollars. Can you post for, about us? We would send them a sample first um, to have them test out the product. And if they like it, they will post the video. Um, if not, then, well, usually they will tell you if they're interested or not. So mm -hmm. it's really, you know, once you have the sample shipped to them, it's theirs. Yep. Um, and you find that's generally for micro-influencers enough just to send them like a sample of a product? Yes. And what do you consider a micro-influencer? Like, is it, um, you know, a thousand followers, 10,000 followers? What do you consider in that space of a micro-influencer? A micro-influencer um, to us would probably be at least... 10,000 um, followers or above. Cool. Um, and then um, finally, what's next for Woof and Meow and uh, your company in general? I can see you have the, the Indiegogo campaign is live. Like we've talked about, there's 21 days left. Uh, you guys have at this moment almost uh, 39,000 uh, US dollars uh, um, dedicated um, or contributed or funded to the campaign. And but what what's next? So after you do the Indiegogo, are you guys going to set up your own um, your own store for people to buy it? Um, are you integrating or selling through other stores? What's your strategy next? So yes, we're going to have our own official um, store for Whip and Meow. And then we're not only just going to be selling the cat litter box, we're going to um, you know, sell other pet-related products, um, such as uh, like something like smart, like, like smart products for pets and to make you know, pet care easier. 
I was wondering about that because the name woofed me out and, um, and I'm looking, I'm like, I don't think my dogs fit in that litter box. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's, that's good to hear. Dogs actually, you know, puppies actually use litter box. Uh, it's true. That's um, uh, definitely true. So, you know, is this a shift for your overall company? Because you talk about the beginning about being a, um, a, a an agency. Are you guys going to continue to be an agency, or is this a part of a larger shift into your own e-commerce space? It's a combination of both. Um, we're just testing out to see how this works. Um, you know, since we have this great idea, we want to um, kind of try different directions. Because you know, being an agency, it's it's not your own. Like you, you don't have your own brand for a product. You have a lot mm-hmm. of clients' brand. So, so we're build like a brand um, for our own. Sorry, we'll have to edit that out <laughs> again as it's coming through. Um, yeah, no, I'm just gonna wait until this stops. Okay. Um, Cool. So, I mean, it's it's what you're saying is it's an opportunity because you're not at the, the discretion of the clients. Um, it's your own brand and you have more control of it and probably helps you guys like test different strategies um, so you can pitch them to other clients in the future saying, hey, you know, we have our own store and this worked really well, you know, running this type of contest or campaign and we could do it for you. And here's how much it would cost for us to do it for you versus them being at their control fully where they say, here's exactly how I want the campaign to run. Yes, exactly. Cool. Um, I want to uh, thank you for your time today. Um, I really appreciate it. I know that people are going to get a ton out of listening to this. Um, and so how can people uh, stay up to date with the product and follow you guys online or reach out to you if they have any other questions? Uh, so, yes, um, they can join our Facebook group where, you know, a lot of our team members are active. And they can follow our campaign on Indiegogo as well. We also have an Instagram. Um, it's just the handle is just Wolf and Meow. So you can f- uh, find us there. Great. Um, this is a really great conversation. I enjoyed talking to you. Uh, and I look forward to uh, seeing what you guys uh, what you guys are up to next and some of the campaigns you guys are running uh, running in the future. And let us know at Kickoff Labs if there's anything else we can do to help you guys going forward. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you.